0: an edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. As it's going to evolve the actor's strike in every bit of horror news and horror films that I could not talk about during the strike. So that means I don't have any time for wrestling news this episode. Sorry. I don't even have time for my Rhode Island Comic Con review this episode. Because that has to be put on the back of burner as well. As originally, that was supposed to be the main topic on this podcast, this episode. But since the actor strike ended, and I got like over almost 30 minutes of news that I have to get through. Because I haven't gotten to any horror news in about 4 or 5 months. I have to put my Rhode Island Comic Con review on the back burner. Even though it now gives me a chance to do some more work on that segment. Because now I can add films to who I met instead of playing this game of was in the film with a certain person this and that, what I've been doing all convention season. Me so irate. So with that, I'm gonna start off with major news. And yes, the news is gonna be about the SAG actors strike as it's over, we think. And I'll go more into this. But SAG recently made a tentative agreement with the major studios to end this five-month-long strike. It was a long one. As they settled on various issues, including streaming pay, AI, all this stuff. Now, I said the strike might be over because... There's some people within the negotiating committee in SAG that doesn't want to take this deal. And it has to do with AI. They feel it doesn't go far enough. Now, let me read what came out of the TV and Film Negotiating Committee for SAG. Dear SAG and AFTRA members... We are thrilled and proud to tell you that today your TV theatrical negotiating committee voted unanimously to approve a tentative agreement with the AMPTP. As of 12.01 Pacific Time on November 9th, our strike is officially suspended and all picket locations are closed. We will be in touch in the coming days with information about celebration gatherings around the country. In a contract valued at over $1 billion, we have achieved a deal of extraordinary scope that includes above pattern minimum compensation, increases unprecedented provisions for consent and compensation that will protect members from the threat, of AI and for the first time establish a streaming participation bonus. Our pension and health caps have been substantially raised, which will bring much needed value to our plans. In addition, the deal includes numerous improvements for multiple categories including outsized compensation increases for background performers and critical contract provisions protecting diverse communities. We have arrived at a contract that will enable SAG-AFTRA members from every category to build sustainable careers. Many Thousands of performers now and into the future will benefit from this work. Full details of the agreement will not be provided until the tentative agreement is reviewed by the SAG-AFTRA National Board. We also thank our union siblings, the workers that power this industry for the sacrifices they have made while supporting our strike and that of the Writers Guild of America. We stand together in solidarity, and we will be there for you when you need us. Thank you for all your dedication, your commitment, and your solidarity through this strike. It is because of you that these improvements became possible in solidarity and gratitude your TV and theatrical negotiating committee. Now, the... TV and Theatrical Negotiating Committee of SAG came up with a really good deal here. But, there's been rumblings that the dreaded AI issue didn't go far enough. Even so that there are members on the committee that were against this deal. I even know an actor is against this deal. But I will share you another news story that broke. As Justine Bateman, who used to be an actress, was also an advisor when it came to the AI portion of the strike as she has a degree in computer sciences and digital media management. Her role in the strike was the AI advisor to SAG. She recently took to Twitter, or I mean X, because it's Twitter to me, I'm sorry. But anyway, she took to X to slam the SAG agreement with the major studios. And she had not one long rant, but two rants about it. Which is very interesting, to say the least. Because this is not a slam dunk that this is over now. Usually these things, when they come to agreement, they get ratified. But if you get someone who was an advisor to one of the key components that the actors are fighting for, going against the agreement, you don't know what's going to happen. This is what she wrote on X. SAG actors, I want to make you aware of some of the language in the AI portion of the tentative SAG agreement. Though SAG leadership made much effort to protect members in AI, there are many issues you should look at. I have saved the most serious issue for the end. If a digital double is made of you during a film... They must get your consent and inform your intentions for its use. Except when the photography or soundtrack remains substantially as scripted, performed, and or recorded. This is going to be left up to the studio's and streamer's interpretation. And so, any subtlety... Regarding how you choose to look or move for the character during the shoot could potentially be changed. Your hair, your clothes, your makeup, etc. Also, your physical placement in the scene can be changed. Like your nearness or distance from another character. Or even moving you from the front seat of the car to the back seat of the car. This suggests... Not much agency on your part to control your character or performance. And she goes on another rant too. I will be actually taking the deal document, parentheses, and not the summary SAG is planning to release parentheses in explaining the violating AI permissions the AMPTP will have over you. I'm very disappointed that the SAG leadership and committee did not take my guidance on the AI issues. I have spent time over the past 8 months writing op-eds, doing press interviews, and posting on social media to warn my fellow entertainment workers about how the studio streamers mean to discard you with generative AI. Why? because it's the right thing to do, because it's unconscionable what the CEOs are doing, and because it would be immoral to me to not tell you just how the actors and crew in particular are going to be abused. I said from the beginning that the use of generative AI will collapse the structure of this business, I want the actors and crew to have enough self-respect to turn over the A-table and flip the CEOs off as it happens. They're gonna leave you with nothing left to lose. Those seem to be very damning words that SAG has not done its best when it handles the AI portion of the deal. Because really... The AI portion is really dividing some of these actors. And quite frankly, it's very interesting to see someone inside that negotiating room speak out against its own union. And trust me, I am solely 100% against AI, quite frankly. Do I think this is the best deal? After reading this, probably not. Because seriously, this seemed to be more about getting its members more money than anything. Will it pass? Yes. Will I whine about it? I don't know. But seriously, AI is threatening Hollywood and movies in general. And Justine Bateman is right that it will change the business and not in a good way. So I don't think this tentative deal is... A done deal, but I do think it's still going to pass because people want to go back to work. But I really think SAG dropped the ball on AI here. They really did. I know they want to get more money for their actors. I can understand that. They waved the white flag on AI, and that's not a good thing. I tend to agree with Justine Bateman more than what's coming out of SAG over this AI issue, quite frankly. And I can see why actors may not vote for this. But we'll see if they vote for it. I figured I'd get you both sides of this issue because there are two sides to this, quite frankly. And I'm seeing it play out. So... It was best to get both sides to just give you that one side, that hooray speech that it's over type thing. As I think a lot of you people were expecting me to do this hooray speech. But if there's negativity towards an issue, I have to cover it too on this podcast. And I, again, do side with Justine Bateman on this AI issue which I don't think a lot of people are talking about on these podcasts and news stories, as it seems to be all one-sided that the strike is over. Because there's a potential that this still doesn't go through. A slim potential that it doesn't go through, but enough potential that I have to cover it here. It'll be business as usual on this podcast until that vote is done. Then when that vote is done, if they decline the offer, and send them back to the table, this podcast will go back into what we've been doing pretty much during the strike. Only problem is, I'm stuck with like three months of subscription service for Showcase Cinema. Because I get too excited thinking this would be a done deal. When apparently it doesn't look like it's a done deal by any stretch. But I do expect this to probably pass. But if I had a vote, i probably vote no on it. Seriously. I'll be back with more news after this as I got a ton of news stories that I missed during the strike. While Salem Slot hasn't gotten a release date yet. That'll be next segment after this. <laughs> to dark discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. Speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh. I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for the child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps scares that care fight real monsters. Welcome back. Now with the SAG strike over, there's one thing I have to remind you people. Remember a long time I told you ago that the James Wan produced Salem's Lot was hopping around theatrical release dates. It first started off with a September 9th, 2022 release date. Then it got moved to April 21st, 2023 release date. Then, it was that release date and pretty much disappeared from the face of this earth. Literally. It's like this movie is in witness protection right now. And you would have think by now it would get a release date... Considering that we just went through a writers and actors strike at the same time, you would literally think this film would get a release date. That they would just throw it somewhere just to release it, just to have content for the theaters. But no, Salem Slot still does not have a release date, as... Warner Brothers Discovery has no idea what to do with the film. It's really ridiculous. It's produced by James Wan. It has Gary Duberman writing the script. He wrote the scripts for It, The Nun, and Annabelle Comes Home. And he's directing the movie too. This is a movie that should have been out by now. Literally. But no, we're still waiting for a release date for this film. And while we just had an actors and writers strike, there was no release date announced for this film. Now I'm going to talk about everything that happened during the strike, which I couldn't talk about because I refused to promote the studio's films. While also hitting Warner Brothers Discovery for not putting Salem's Lot out because this would have been the perfect time to put a release date on that film and put that in theaters. You're moving films all over the place anyway. Might as well just get it out there in theaters. Seriously it's still waiting for a release date to this day. It's still literally waiting for a release date but let's start off with the news and there's a bunch of news that I want to hit. First off, Tim Burton revealed during the strike that Beetlejuice 2 is 99% completed in terms of filmed. Meaning there's not much left to film for Beetlejuice 2. And they could not get that done in time before the strike. But at least 99% of it was filmed. Now they can finish this film, finally. And we can finally have this out for next year. As this will be one of my most anticipated horror films of the year, obviously. Because I love the first Beetlejuice a lot. And I love Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. And while that's happening, Salem Slot still does not have a release date. Next news story. Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey 2 is coming out. Seriously. Do we really need another Winnie the Pooh horror film? I literally had to watch the first one on streaming without having to buy it. I literally waited to get to one of those streaming networks I had. Because, well, I live in the basement. And I can't get out of the fact that I had to have the streaming networks. So I might as well just watch the films for the 2023 list. But I never bought a Blu-ray from the major studios or a DVD because I refuse to buy Blu-rays in DVDs from the major studios and some of the boutiques. Thankfully I caught this film on streaming because well I'll talk more about it later because quite frankly don't expect positive thoughts on this film. Seriously. I thought I would not see another film that would rival Children of the Corn this year and this film does that. Anyway, it was revealed in a bloody disgusting article from IGN that also a very popular tiger from the Winnie the Pooh franchise be brought into the mix. And he's very violent. And they said they they couldn't use him in the first film because, well, it was in the public domain at the time. In 2024, however, it will be. And he will be available to use for any film. Why do they just continue with these stupid ideas? Seriously. I do not need to see more fairy tale horror films. I don't need to see old Disney horror films. As you got a Peter Pan horror film coming out. You have a Bambi horror film coming out in the near future. What is it with these independent filmmakers? Seriously. Come up with original ideas. Don't go to childhood stories. Don't go to Disney films to come up with your ideas for your horror films. Please. It did not work out with Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. Seriously. I'll get into more of that later. But it's not a good idea to go that route. Seriously. Seriously. It just makes everything look bad and it just makes you as a filmmaker take the easy way out. We horror fans want original ideas, not ideas from Disney or all these other stupid nursery rhymes. And yes, I'll get to those too. I'll include them because I've seen those starting to pop up as well. I don't need to see those films. Seriously, come up with your own original horror. That's what I want to see. Not these stupid films. And I don't want anybody trying to tell me that Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey is the next Terrifier because it is not. Terrifier is an original idea. Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey isn't. And while that's happening, Salem's Lot still does not have a release date. Moving on, let's stop by Resident Idiot Bob Iger. Yes, Resident Idiot Bob Iger. As they finally have given a release date for the upcoming Agatha Hotness series. It was supposed to be called Agatha Coven Covenant Chaos. Now it got changed to Agatha Darkhold Diaries. i like to see this series, please. But right now, it seems like it keeps changing titles. Seriously, I've never seen a series change titles a lot. You had first Agatha, House of Harkness. Then you had Agatha, Covenant of Chaos. Now you have Agatha, Darkhold Diaries. I don't know what's going on here with Bob Iger... Kevin Feigl with this series. Seriously. As reportedly this series is already done. In the can. And take a good guess when we can see this show. Fall 2024. Yeah, one year. Seriously. Pretty much one year. And it's done filming. And they are going to release it in the fall of 2024. That's nice. Seriously. I gotta wait to fall 2024 to see the show, even though it's finished filming. I'm hoping the effects are done. Seriously. Because if they're done, why is this show sitting on a shelf for a year? Literally. It's like the same thing with Salem's Lot here. It just sits there on a shelf. The show is supposed to star Catherine Hahn, who played Agatha Hotness. In WandaVision, in Audrey Plaza, who's been in such shows as The White Lotus, and The Child's Play Remake, which I try to forget and pretend that does not exist, you know, the one with the AI Chucky. Agatha Dockhold Diaries is scheduled for Fall 2024. At least this has a release date. Unlike Salem's Lot, which is still sitting on a shelf at Warner Brothers. Next topic. Paramount Pictures announces sequel to Smile. Why? Seriously. Don't get me wrong, it was a good movie. I liked it. But do we really need a sequel to this film? Seriously? After the way the first film ended? I don't get it. Seriously. Where can this story go? It's like, at least with Paranormal Activity, you had at least three films in a series that had centralized characters. In this, you only have like, maybe what? One survivor from the first film? I don't see where this story can go, really. For a franchise that needs to succeed, you need to have characters in a franchise. Like, say, Scream, you need characters returning from the previous film into this film. In Smile, you only have, like, one character, pretty much, that can literally return from the first film. I don't get it why we need a sequel to Smile. It just doesn't seem like it needs a sequel. But we're getting one for Halloween 2024, everyone. You guessed it, Salem's Lot hasn't been released, or has a release date yet. You know Paranormal Activity, the film that really got the found footage craze going? Now the horror franchise is going to the stage, literally, as a stage play. Okay, that'll be interesting. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Simon Friend... The veteran producer who brought the film Life of Pi to Broadway has picked up the license to the horror movie series with intent to bring it to the West End via his Simon Friend Entertainment. Me and we're getting a stage play of Paranormal Activity. Okay, would be interesting. Seriously, a stage play of Paranormal Activity. It might work. Seriously, since you're literally only having to have only maybe, what, three, four actors, you probably can pull it off easily. I don't think it's that complicated like, say, Evil Dead, which I assume is complicated to pull off on Broadway. And yes, there's an Evil Dead the musical out there. This is probably easy to pull off sure you probably have to have some behind the stage trickery but this is something i think could easily be adapted to the stage given the fact that most of the film originally took place either in the living room or upstairs in the bedroom it might be easy to pull off as a stage play okay that's not the worst thing in the world because that's been done in horror before I'm surprised it hasn't been a Nightmare on Elm Street musical or uh Friday the 13th musical. But Paranormal Activity one, my guess is they're going to probably play it straightforward. I don't think it's going to be a musical for sure. It's probably going to be a straightforward thing. But still, it's probably easy to pull it off if it's straightforward. Which I think is the only way they pulled this off. On the stage. So that's gonna happen. But we still don't have Salem slot in theaters. As it still does not have a release date, everyone. You know what? I'm hitting my stride. Because I really forgot to talk about this big piece of news that happened during the strike. There's a new director for the Scream franchise. Yes, you heard me right. Radio Silence will not be back to re- Turn to director's chair for Scream 7. Instead, stepping into the director's chair for Scream 7 will be Christopher Landon. You might know him for films such as Happy Death Day and Freaky. This is all because of a scheduling conflict that Radio Silence has. As they are currently filming another film that they were in the process of filming before the strike happened. But they'll remain on board as executive producers. I don't know what I feel about this move handing the director's reins to Christopher Landon. Don't get me wrong, he's done some good films such as Happy Death Day and Freaky. But those are more like horror comedies here. This is more like a straight up horror film. And the last two Scream films have been really good. I don't know why this happened. I thought maybe there are better directors out there. Maybe Rob Savage from Host and The Boogeyman would have been a better choice in my opinion. Or someone who has more of a serious tone to them when they direct horror films. Because the only time we've seen Christopher Landon direct serious horror films... Uh, The Paranormal Activity film says he wrote the second, third, fourth, and seventh installments of the franchise. I'm talking about Paranormal Activity, obviously. While directing Paranormal Activity, the mocked ones. I know he has a good horror track record, but I don't know if he's the right choice to helm this type of franchise maybe he is seriously and I'm overreacting a little bit but I really thought you could just wait until Radio Silence was done with whatever they were doing then do Scream 7 unless it's to the point where they're just jumping off from the film that they're working on to another film afterwards then you have to get another director obviously but if it's just waiting for them to finish the film that they're currently filming then if they had the opportunity to jump to Scream 7. I would have probably waited if I was Paramount. And waited for Radio Silence to be done with that film. Then do Scream 7. You don't know if you're going to have Jenna O'Tega for Scream 7. Because she may be tied up with Wednesday Season 2 for Netflix. So there's a lot of variables that are unknown for the next Scream film. The only variables that we know that are expected to return are Melissa Barrera and Mason Gooding. Everything else is just a mystery right now about Scream 7. There's also rumors it may be taking place during Christmas time, which will be very interesting on to itself. But anyway, at least we are probably going to get Scream 7 filming probably after the strike It just depends who's going to be in that film, as we don't know what the cast is for this film is yet, quite frankly. But I'm hoping it's a very good film like the last one. At least that's getting made, and we're getting progress towards Scream 7, while, you guessed it, Salem's Lot still doesn't have a release date. Sticking with Christmas! Next year! We will be getting another Christmas slasher film, besides Scream 7. That's right, we're getting Ot Claws, as Ot the Clown makes his return in Terrifier 3. And this time, the film is going to be set during Christmas. There was a teaser trailer leaked at the end of the Terrifier 2 screenings on November 1st and 2nd. And it's going to be like *Terrifier 2 made independently. As originally a lot of studios wanted this film. But they could not get past the fact that there is a extreme moment in the beginning of Terrorfire 3 that turned off a lot of Hollywood. Seriously. Damian Leone is willing to continue with this franchise the way he sees fit and he is not letting the studios dictate the franchise which is good because literally you cannot have an aunt the clown film that is sanitized it just does not work the terrifier franchise has been built on extreme horror it still has to go that route it has to continue to top itself it's got a top Terrifier 2 in its bedroom scene where art the Clown skins alive a character. If you do it and you sanitize it to the point where it's not that shocking or that disturbing or extreme, then you lose the identity of the character and the franchise. You're at the point of no return where you have to top off An extreme scene from the previous film. You're at that point now. After topping off the first film's extreme scene. Which I'm not getting into because this is a PG-13 show. But here's the thing. The fact that Damien Leone is willing to keep this franchise as an independent horror franchise. Takes a lot of balls in 2023. Terrifier 3 hits theaters October 25th, 2024. And you guessed it, we still don't have a release date for Salem's Lot. Two more stories, everyone. Next story. Miramax acquires the TV rights for the Halloween franchise. That is interesting that we are getting a Halloween TV show. We don't know if this Halloween TV show... It's going to be a Michael Myers-centric TV show or set within the Halloween universe. This series that is upcoming is potentially big because both Miramax and Trancos, If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. The principal owners of the Halloween franchise are very interested in creating a cinematic universe set in the Halloween franchise, akin to, like, what the MCU is. This is very interesting. If this series is not Michael Myers-centric, but something else that leads to Michael Myers, it could be interesting that they would try to do a cinematic universe with this iteration of Halloween. I have no problem with it if they want to try something different, because that's kind of outside the box, going to more like a cinematic universe where you blend in events from the TV series and films and put them all together as one universe. That could work. So that's something to keep an eye out on, as I really think it might be a good idea, or it could be just a big bad idea. So... Jury's still out on that one, for me. Because literally, I don't know what to think. Seriously. I don't need another MCU-type universe. We got the MCU, we got the DC universe, if James Gunn hasn't started that already. So, I don't know if a Halloween-centric universe would work for horror. It could. Like the old days of the Universal Monsters. But only... Instead of the Universal Monsters, you have Michael Myers and whatever comes out of this Halloween universe. So, it'll be interesting as I'm not sold on it yet. But then again, I wasn't sold on Chucky being on TV. Because I never thought in a million years that Chucky would work on television. And it's currently in its third season and it's still going strong. So, it works for Chucky to be on TV. The Halloween franchise, I don't know. I just have the same pessimistic view that I had when I heard Chucky was coming to TV. But you never know, it may work out like Chucky and be very good. As that is all happening, we still don't have a release date for Salem's Lot. Yes, we still don't have any idea when we're going to see Salem's Lot. But we did finally get some news for Salem's Lot recently. After months of not hearing anything, after being pulled from the theatrical schedule completely, news recently came out that the Salem's Lot remake may not be going to theaters after all. Instead, it may be heading to max. That's right, after all this drama... About release date changes and everything, this film may end up on streaming. WTF. Seriously. You spent months pulling this film, running it to release date after release date. Now, all of a sudden, you guys realize you have no content for Max. Because of this strike. And you want to put this movie that was designed to be in theaters on Max? You've got to be kidding me, Warner Brothers. Seriously. We've been waiting to see this film since September of last year. And now, you guys all of a sudden decide that we may just decide to throw this film on streaming. Now, this is a rumor, everyone. It comes off a... article from bloodydisgusting.com. But for that film to get a streaming release instead of a theatrical release after all the drama that has happened regarding the release of this film would be sad. Because you built this film up to be a theatrical film. You've moved films from... Max to the theaters. Then all of a sudden, you're going to start throwing films back on Max. I don't get WB. Seriously. What is up with Warner Brothers? Why go through all this trouble of moving Evil Dead Rise from streaming to theaters, only to move Salem's Lot from theaters to streaming? As that's the big rumor going around with this film. It's ridiculous. Seriously. It's like they've given up on this film. It's bad enough that becoming a company that likes to shelve films. They've already shelved two high-profile films when they came in for a tax write-off. How this film did not get a shelved for a tax write-off is beyond me. The fact that it keeps jumping from release date to release date. And now, we may be ending up seeing this film on streaming. As that's a rumor going around. That it may end up on Max. It would be a shame, after this long saga, a release date changes for Salem's Lot to end up on Max. And oh, by the way, we still don't have a release date for Salem's Lot. I'm trying to say his... This film should have been out with a release date by now. With everything going on with the strike that happened for the last four or five months, this film should have had a release date stamped. You need to put movies into theaters. This film should have had a theatrical date by now. Instead, we're now talking streaming. Oh, Warner Brothers. I don't know who's worse, Warner Brothers or Bob Iger at Disney. Because the Warner Brothers seems to want to shelve films. While Bob Iger just makes stupid statements and decides to shelve a TV series for one year. That's all the news I've missed covering on this podcast during the actor strike. You know, by the way, Salem Slot still does not have a release date. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran. And we are the Two Two from from Hell. And we're putting Rated Off back into podcasting. Every month we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find Two from Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two From Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not gonna wanna miss the show. You can follow Anti T's Horror and Wrestling Show on these social media providers at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher app. You can find Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. You can also listen to the podcast at YouTube.com, Slash at FilmIKMedia, and DocDiscussions.com what's the ntt watching well you're is just gonna run down some films that i watched on streaming services during the strike since i wasn't able to talk about them i'll give you my quick thoughts on them and then we'll move on because i know this show is probably going About near the hour mark or over the hour mark. Considering the big strike news and everything. What film should I start off with? You know what? Why don't I start off with the most talked about topic on this podcast? Wait for it. Wait for it. Jason Blum and Blumhouse Productions. As they recently released... Five Nights at Freddy's. About a week, week and a half ago or so, as I'm recording this. Now, going into this film, I was very curious to see what kind of film this would be, literally, because it's such the big thing. I wanted to see what the big craze about Five Nights at Freddy's is, because I've never played the video game, so, and I've heard, like, Bad things about this film. Some of it from people who've never played the game before. As I'm not a big gamer. But a lot of these people are probably a big gamers. And probably have played Five Nights at Freddy's at one time or another. So going into this film, I was very interested to see if this would be a good film or a bad film. And this film was kind of okay... I enjoyed this film, but I wouldn't say it's the greatest film in the world, if you get what I'm saying. I've heard if you liked the video game a lot, you liked this film. Me, I thought it was good. I liked the psychological aspects to it. It was less horror, in my opinion, it felt like at times. Sure, you get kills in the film, but it just didn't feel... That great of a film. I enjoyed it for the psychological aspects. How it focuses on its main character. It also has a very good performance from Matthew Lillard in it as well. So I enjoyed this film. I gave that film three and a half stars. Let's move on to another film that I watched during the SAG strike. That I could not talk about. And it's a film on Netflix called The Killer Book Club. Now, this is a foreign film, and this film is more of a scream ripoff, if anything. But I had a fun time watching this film. The film has a very good screenplay. I thought the twist in the film worked perfectly. It also has some really good performances in the film. It has some really good death scenes. It delivers on the gore. It is definitely a film checking out on Netflix. As it was fun, I had a blast watching this film. I gave this film four stars. Another film that I watched during the strike was a film called No One Will Save You. And I really think this is one of the best films of the year. Film directed by Brian Duffield. Duffield does a very good job in the way he keeps the tension throughout this film. This film is pretty much dialogue-less. Sure, you get maybe a few lines of dialogue here and there. But this is a film that really is dialog And it's a tough sell. It's tough to pull off. This was like a Hulu exclusive. This is a film where I really thought it should have been in theaters. Quite frankly. As this is just excellent. The screenplay here is excellent. The screenplay does a very good job in focusing on the main character. It does a really good job with the action in this film. As it felt intense throughout. This film also has a excellent performance by Caitlin Dever. As she really helped make this film very good. Because this is one of those films where you need the actor or actress Is performance to be almost spot-on perfect because there's no dialogue in this film. It's like watching a silent film for almost the entire film. Sure, there's a few lines of dialogue, but this is definitely one of those films you really have to check out. It is intense, and I'm not a fan of these alien body snatcher type films... But No One Will Save You really is an excellent film as it really focuses on the action and the main character and the trauma she deals with throughout the film. This is definitely worth checking out. Five stars. Go to Hulu right now. Watch this film after the end of this podcast. Next film is yet another full moon features film. That gets five stars. What the bleep. This is the third five star rating from Full Moon Features. A company that is notorious for doing stupid films. Like Baby Oopsie. The Ginger Weed Man. The Evil Bong series. But this year between subspecies five Demonic Toys Jack Attack, which was a surprise. Because I did not expect a very good film out of that film. As that was definitely probably more serious than it had any right to be. Which leads me to the erotic horror film Bring Her to Me. This was just such a great film from Full Moon Features. This is the type of films they should be doing. Not these killer doll films. Films that have creativity, have a gothic tone to it. It really was a shock that this film was very good. And credit to direction from Brooks Davis, he does a very good job with the way that he directs his cast. It also helps that the film has a very good screenplay as it really does a good job with the way it handles its dark, gothic, erotic tones and all the horror aspects to it as it made it an intense film. Even though it clocks in at just about an hour, maybe a little less, this is definitely a film that was very good and definitely... Is why this is like been a banner year for Full Moon Features. As it really feels like Full Moon Features is back to hitting its stride. As I can't remember a time when they have been putting out such good content since back in the Paramount Era days. It's definitely worth checking out. Really. If you like gothic romantic horror. Bring her to me. It's definitely worth checking out. As I gave that film five stars. Got a couple more films to go. First, a film that you're not going to believe was made in 2023. Sloth-er House. You know, the creature Sloth-er House. Yes, that film happened in 2023. And yes, that sounds so Silly, so ridiculous. It was fun. I had a fun time with that film. It's just, that's good, ridiculous fun. As I'll show you afterwards, bad, ridiculous fun. This is just good, ridiculous fun. I liked the direction in this film. I thought the cast was very good. I thought that there was chemistry. With the cast, which really helped make this film work so well. Made it so fun to watch. Amongst the craziness that goes on in this film. It kind of reminds me of a film called Zombieverse. That came out around 2014, 2015. Anyway, sloth House is less raunchier than Zombieverse. Because it has a PG-13 rating. But still, for a PG-13 rating, it was fun. I had a fun time with this film. I gave that film four stars. And we're now down to the final film. A film that is ridiculously bad. And I'm talking about a film I teased earlier on. That's right, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. That film was awful from start to finish. Maybe the beginning was good with the animation. I liked that part of the film, but everything else was just flat out abysmal. The writing is bad. The acting is bad. I thought the costumes for the killers look bad. Everything just looked really amateurish. It really hurt this film. I don't know why a lot of people saw this film as the next terrifier, Even though it didn't get to that level. It's a really bad film. It should have never played in theaters. There are a lot better indie horror films that should be playing in theaters. But that film, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is flat out abysmal. It's awful. And they're doing a sequel. Why? Why do we need to be tortured with a sequel to a film that is, quite frankly, would be the worst film of the year if it wasn't for a certain remake that really pissed me off earlier in the year? Because... That film has no business being a peacock, has no business having a theatrical release. This should have been in the Dollar Bin DVD section, because it's just crap. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, features some of the most awful characters. The kill scenes are not that great as well. Everything felt like it was amateur hour. One star. And that wraps up what I've been watching during the SAG strike. I can't get to every film. I apologize. But that's it. Upcoming episodes. The next episode will be the last new episode of 2023. Next episode, you'll get my thoughts on Rhode Island Comic Con... I originally was going to do it this episode, but with the strike and everything presumably ending, it took the whole episode pretty much. I'll have that. I'll have thoughts on AEW Full Gear, WWE Survivor Series. Also, I will have my review of Eli Roth's latest film, Thanksgiving, next episode. Then, after that, will be a best-of episode... Where I'll play back some of my favorite rants that have been sitting there for the last couple of years or so. Then, after that, will be the first new episodes of 2024. It'll be the Howard Show Awards, Howard Show Whammies episode. Then, the Best of 2023 episode, where I'll bring someone on to talk about our favorite films of 2023. So, that's what. You can look forward to on this podcast for the next two months. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support Indie Wrestling. Support Indie Horror. This has been a Film Arcade Media production.